Coming up on Stu Does America, Donald Trump is the absolute worst enemy of the LGBT community since the last Republican president, right? Of course, the mainstream media would at least have you think so, but author Chad Felix Green is here with some facts to refute that narrative. Then Jason Butcherill, head writer and researcher for the Glenn Beck program, has been taking a break from football. He's a, he's a boycotter. I have the opportunity to bring him up to speed on the entire season of the Dallas Cowboys live on television. You're not going to want to miss this. It's going to suck for him. What a roller coaster ride. Thanks uh, for stopping by our YouTube channel. If you happen to be there and getting our metrics going all over again after my COVID vacation, don't let the evil algorithm robots win. Don't give them a breakthrough. Keep subscribing. Uh, your friends, your family, everybody, don't forget to hit the bell. That gives you notifications when we upload. Another thanks to all of our podcast listeners. It's going great, but I have a huge request. You know, I'm burning through your five-star reviews to read at the end of the show. So go ahead now and get some more up there. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And we, if you'd love to support the network, I think it's an important time. We've been talking a lot about censorship uh, from the big tech companies. Don't let them win. Go to Blaze TV, subscribe. Just go to blazetv.com slash stew. Be sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. So I went a little crazy on the Twitter today. Uh, you know, the Twitters were there for me and I was there to recap Andrew Cuomo's first disastrous month of dealing with the coronavirus in New York. I was inspired by the release of Cuomo's newest book, which tries to gloss over his massive failures as a governor in this crisis. So let's set the record straight. Let's set the truth free and do Andrew Cuomo's Book of Lies. Stu does America. I shan't let this stand. I will not allow Andrew Cuomo to come out here and claim that he did a good job dealing with the coronavirus in New York. It's just not true, and it can't stand. There has to be somebody out there telling the truth about it, and there's a few. Uh, Janice Dean is one. There's been a few others that have come out and, and actually spoken the truth about Andrew Cuomo. We've tried to do that here on this show over and over again. Why? Because Andrew Cuomo is awful. .com. Sometimes when you do this uh, job, you're a commentator. I don't know if you're... I certainly don't count myself as a journalist, but you're on television, you're blabbing about the news every day. And sometimes you have to do things you don't feel comfortable doing. Like there's some terrible video that everyone's talking about. I have to watch it so I can explain it and, and, and be somewhat informed. Um, I, you know, there's people who go undercover and do all sorts of crazy things to get the story. I had to do something worse than all of those people. I had to do this. I had to go buy this piece of crap, this piece of, I don't have any more descriptors that are not swears, so I'm just going to move on. American crisis, leadership lessons from the COVID-19 pandemic. I want to make sure we're clear what we're talking about here. Andrew Cuomo, the man who presided over the worst catastrophe in the world when it comes to the coronavirus, releases a book while the coronavirus is still going on, by the way, and he's in the middle of an increase in his state, releases a book about how wonderful Andrew Cuomo is. It is one of the most despicable things I've ever seen a politician do, and that is saying something. So what I thought would be interesting is to go on Twitter and post what actually happened 
through the most important month of this crisis uh, in March, when lives were really on the line. Obviously, we know this is still going on, but we do have a much better handle on it now. It was the choices made in March that really screwed over people in New York and cost thousands and thousands of lives. So let's take a quick journey through Cuomo's March. And the reason why I want to do this today is because this guy is going around with this stupid book, this piece of crap book. He's going around and he's doing fawning media interviews about what a wonderful guy he is and what a wonderful job he did. That should not happen. I ask you to go to Twitter. I'm at uh, Stu Does America. I have pinned the tweet thread to the top uh, of my account. I think there's 50 different tweets or something like that in there. In there, we will show all the evidence you're about to see and much, much more. We don't have time to get through everything right now. But please go there. It's just it's been posted. I think it basically shut down Twitter for a little while earlier. It's exploding. People need to know this information, and I'd appreciate it if you go to share it. It's at Stu Does America. All right, March 2nd, uh, Cuomo would spend this period early in March strenuously arguing that New Yorkers were worrying too much about the coronavirus. Watch. In this situation, the facts defeat fear because the reality is reassuring. It is deep breath time. And we're in March here. Think of all the Democrats that have complained about what Donald Trump was saying in January. This is March. Let's move on to March 6th. Remember all those criticisms of Republicans uh, who were getting in trouble because they were comparing COVID-19 to the flu. Well, America's most glorious governor was doing that as well. Watch. We have more people in this country dying from the flu than we have dying from coronavirus. Cuomo was in this downplay mode over and over again. And to be clear, this is the thing the Bob Woodward book supposedly revealed about Donald Trump, that he was downplaying the virus. We've talked about that, how that's not actually what was going on there. But the Cuomo downplay was in full effect throughout this period. This is March 9th. Watch. What is the bottom line? What does this mean? People are reacting like this is the Ebola virus. This is not the Ebola virus. This hysteria that you see, this fear that you see, the panic that you see is unwarranted. It is true that COVID-19 is not the Ebola virus. In fact, COVID-19 would go on to kill more people just in New York in just the first two weeks of April than Ebola has globally in all of human history. So he is right here. COVID-19 is not the Ebola virus. On March 19th, in a very unsettling episode of cringe-worthy performance theater, Andrew Cuomo unveiled a plan to force prison inmates to supposedly make hand sanitizer. Capitalism, not the virus, is the thinly veiled target. And did I mention how cringeworthy this was? Watch. This is 75% alcohol. It also has a, comes in a variety of sizes. It has a very nice floral bouquet. Mm. A little I detected. Sniff those hands. Lilac, Mm -hmm. hydrangea, tulips. Mm -hmm. What does it smell like to you? Just to be clear, what you just watched was the guy we're supposed to respect as the smartest man in coronavirus world, okay, sniffing his hands 
during a pandemic and then asking the person next to him to also sniff his hands. Is there ever a good time to ask the person next to you to sniff your hands? Is that ever a good idea, pandemic or not? Cuomo then laughs at what he sees as a reporter's silly accent and then imitates it on March 11th. He cracks himself up while earning this headline, check out Andrew Cuomo's horrific Irish accent. Watch. Well, I'm authorized, you know, by St. Patrick. That's who? Oh, yes. I have the highest authorization. Sure. Funny, funny. Uh, March 12th now. We're mid-March. The day after the NBA has pulled the plug on a season. I think it's eight days after South by Southwest has been canceled. Cuomo is still in denial about the quarantine that's about to come. Watch. There's not going to be any quarantine no. uh, where we contain people within an area. Or we block people from an area. No. Uh, individual mobility is what we're all about. Oh, okay. Uh, there's not going to be any you must stay in your house rule. No, that's not going to happen. They're not going to have a stay in your house rule. Individual mobility is what they're about, obviously. March 17th, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who is terrible, but he says he is absolutely considering a shelter-in-place order for New York City. Cuomo had different plans. Watch. Uh, my job is to make sure that the state has a coordinated plan and it works everywhere. Uh, I don't think shelter-in-place uh, really works for one locality. I'm a New York City boy, um, born and raised, if you can't tell. And uh, we're very good at getting around the rules. You know, you say shelter in place if, you're, if you stay in New York City. I'll go stay with my sister in Westchester, right? I'll go stay with a buddy in, in a, a, the neighboring suburb of Nassau. So I don't think you can really do a policy like that just in one part of the state. Mm. Uh, so I don't think it works. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this is uh, this is one uh, of many examples where this would happen during the crisis where... Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo would publicly disagree with each other and they'd fight it out. They kind of have uh, an antagonistic relationship. Bill de Blasio is one of the least likable people that has ever been created by human beings. Nobody likes Bill de Blasio. Uh, the man is hated by liberals, conservatives, communists, libertarians, anarchists. Everyone hates him. But Bill de Blasio has somehow managed multiple times to defeat Andrew Cuomo in the public sphere throughout this, this. Again, this guy wrote a book about what a good job he did, and he's losing to Bill de Blasio. Now, Bill de Blasio kept saying, I don't know, things like a shutdown order is coming. Again, Cuomo kept saying over and over again it was not coming. Literally, though, the next day, on March 20th, after the most recent back and forth, Cuomo shut down the city of New York one day after promising that it was not going to happen. Watch. Uh, so we're going to put out an executive order today. New York State on pause. Two basic oh. rules. Uh, Stop only essential. You get it. The, the really cringeworthy part of that is he had words for each letter of pause. P-A-U-S-E. Oh, God, these people are terrible. How awful are our politicians? Uh, the shutdown came just three days after publicly slamming Bill de Blasio for even suggesting it could occur. I mean, again, it's really hard to come on the wrong side with de Blasio, but somehow Cuomo has pulled this off multiple times during the crisis. 
Then the shutdown also came four days after Donald Trump announced 15 days to slow the spread. Cuomo regularly criticizes the president for acting too slow. The media constantly criticizes Trump for acting too slow. Donald Trump acted on the 16th. It wasn't until the 20th until Cuomo shut down the worst hotspot in the world over the virus. Cuomo criticizes Trump for acting too slow. He was slower. And Cuomo wrote a book about how smart he was. Cuomo announced Matilda's Law on March 20th. It was named after his mother. Watch. Who are we worried about? Seniors, compromised immune system, people with underlying illnesses. Where are the places we're really worried about? Nursing homes, senior congregate facilities. See, he was targeting nursing homes. Huh. Very aware that that was the problem. Why did Cuomo's initial health strategy fail? Well, you get to hear him do this one in his own words. Watch. Our public health strategy was a blunt instrument. What we said at a moment of crisis is isolate everyone. Close the schools, close the colleges, send everyone home, isolate everybody in their home. Right. In truth, in truth, that was not the most refined public strategy. Really? Why? Why? Because it wasn't even uh, smart, frankly, mm. to isolate younger people with older people. Okay, you got that. But, Again, this is a guy who's summarizing his own policy as not smart, yet he wrote a book about how smart how smart he was. But your smart host always holds the book the right way. Vice on the 25th exposed, by the way, that whole public theater of hand sanitizer with uh, prison workers was a lie. They were not making hand sanitizer at all. Cuomo's prison workers say that they're not actually making hand sanitizer was the scandal and the headline. March 25th, perhaps the worst single decision by any government entity in the entire pandemic response. Cuomo released the now infamous advisory, hospital discharges and admissions to nursing homes for New York. March 25th, from Cuomo's health directive, no resident shall be denied readmission or admission to the nursing home solely based on a, con- a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. They are literally importing COVID-19 positive patients and not allowing uh, nursing homes to keep them out. Nursing homes were also prohibited from requiring a hospitalized resident who is determined medically stable to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. This is even for new residents. Cuomo, on the same day of the nursing home order, did this. Watch. Take a deep breath. Now, that 3%, that's my mother, that's your mother, that's your sister. He feels your pain. These are people we love. Mm. These are our grandparents. Oh, he cares. And we're going to do everything we can to protect every one of them. Mm. And I give the people of the state of New York my word that we're doing it. Oh, that's his word, his word there. Did he say everything he can to infect these patients or was it protect? I, I, I miss that. Things are going so poorly in New York. On March 29th, Rhode Island closes its borders to New Yorkers. Cuomo had this to say about it. Watch. I spoke to the governor of Rhode Island yesterday and uh, we had a conversation. I don't think the order was uh, called for. I don't believe it was legal. Mm, I don't believe it was neighborly. It wasn't neighborly to be neighborly in a pandemic. By the way, this unneighborly and, and illegal act, he would uh, later institute similar restrictions on southern states. 
when it you know, fit him. March 29th, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine released a statement decrying Cuomo's earlier directive. And this is important because people will say, oh, Cuomo didn't know. How could he possibly have known? He did know. They told him. The nursing homes told him. They warned that, quote, inadequate supplies uh, that would cause massive problems and noted, quote, caring for COVID-19 positive residents is unsafe and jeopardizes all patients in the nursing home. They begged Cuomo to release uh, to release more uh, sensible regulations. And they said, by the way, we already have massive issues with staffing who were, quote, absent with symptoms and self-quarantining. Nursing home capability to provide, uh, they're short on nursing home capability to provide high quality infection control, and it may be limited due to situational factors out of their control, such as competencies of remaining available staff and loss of physician and advanced practice providers due to illness, quarantine, or surge needs at other institutions. Quote, many homes do not have private rooms. Do you think that's a problem? Do you think not having private rooms might just be a problem for nursing homes? This is a sham, man. I mean, this this is a disaster. And this guy is, is going around and no one's saying anything negative about him. No one's questioning him. He's just there to free, you know, free form this ridiculous defense of the job he supposedly did. Again, nowhere, not Wuhan, not northern Italy, nowhere. Was there a worse response than this guy, Andrew Cuomo? He's got a book out about it. I do not encourage you to go buy it. What I do encourage you to do is go to Twitter, at Stu Does America. There I have all of these facts and a lot more of them with all the documents, the quotes, everything, all the videos, everything, all in one package. It's pinned to the top of the Twitter account, at Stu Does America. Go there, check it out, tweet it, retweet it, tweet it to him, tweet it to everybody you know, media members, everybody. Spread this thing around. Let people know the truth about what Andrew Cuomo has done. It's cost the lives of thousands of people. And if we don't do anything, the media is certainly not going to hold them accountable. Somebody has to. Back in a second. All right. uh, Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who you can freaking trust. It's hard to find people you can trust these days. And when you're having your, I don't know, biggest financial transaction, it's probably important that you have somebody who is a real estate agent that you can trust. Real Estate Agents I Trust is Glenn's company, so you can rest assured you're going to be in the hands of the most capable people in the industry who will see your transactions through to the very end. The name says it all. It's Real Estate Agents I Trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Look, this is an important time. You've got to protect your future financially. You've got to make sure you have someone you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Happy to be joined by Chad Felix Green. He's a senior contributor to The Federalist and the author of the upcoming book, Without Context, Evaluating the Anti-LGBT Claims Against the Trump Administration. Chad, thanks for coming on the program, man. Thanks. Uh, uh, your book is really thorough. You, went, you, have, you go through a lot of the claims that people make against the Trump administration, and there are a lot of them. There's so many, actually, that there are a bunch I didn't even, I don't even remember. Like, I mean, there are just so many of them. But let me start first just j- talking generally here. The concept of Donald Trump as being this enemy of the LGBT community um, is really an interesting one to me because, I, you know, you could say a lot of things about Donald Trump. He does not seem to be... Um, 
he does not seem to be inspired by those types of issues. He does not seem to be on this moral crusade. That's really not the 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 thing that started him in the conservative movement. And, you know, he seems to be, uh, you know, at least by my my view, the first president that ever came into office is supporting gay marriage. Is, is this a crazy view that conservatives are missing? No. Um, it, you know, Trump has been actively pro, vocally pro-gay since, you know, the 2000s. When he first ran for president, he had a glowing interview with The Advocate, which is a, a LGBT magazine, talking about how he wanted to make sure that gay people were never discriminated against and how he supported gay marriage and, and how he um, was, you know, against basically the Republican view at the time mm-hmm. of, of limiting gay rights. And then uh, in 2005, he, you know, praised Elton John for his marriage, you know, uh, the year right before jo- uh, Joe Biden was on television, uh, sternly demanding that marriage was between a man and a woman. And that was the law of the land he voted for and so forth. So it seems that, it was just the Republican aspect that created this hysteria. The the man behind it has never been anti-LGBT in his entire career. I mean, we've been told that Mike Pence was on the verge of imprisoning every gay person in America <laughs> for a very long time, and he seems to be ex- incredibly bad at it. Yeah, uh, you know, Mike Pence is a, is a Christian conservative. Mm-hmm. So if you ask him questions about um, LGBT things from a progressive perspective, point of view, he's probably not going to say, um, you know, that he supports five-year-olds transitioning and, and that he's going to, you know, attend a gay pride parade. But I've also researched him and there's really nothing that indicates he's ever been anti-LGBT. He's always just been pro-conservative on social issues and, and didn't want to rush into things like changing marriage or specifically changing laws that would indicate, you know, protection for sexual orientation back, you know, when that was still an idea of a a personal choice or something that being in a gay pride parade, but Mm -hmm. he was never a, a Jerry Falwell, you know, mindset of, of being anti-gay himself. Hmm. Let's go through some of the claims here. Cause some of these, I I honestly, you, you went so deep on this. I, some of them I didn't even remember the white house press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders tells reporters that president Trump backs the position that business owners should be able to put up signs saying they won't serve gays. Uh, This is a claim made against the Trump administration. Is there any truth to it? No. Um, Sarah Huckabee uh, Sanders said those words but not in that context. Um, a great deal of what you see in these claims are them grabbing a sentence and then turning it into something else, um, similar to Amy Coney Barrett's uh, sexual preference non-controversy. Right. Um, you know, this was a this was a discussion on the freedom of businesses and what they can do themselves in terms of of baking cakes or or making wedding cakes. And someone I think asked her. Could a business put up no gays allowed on the on the on the website on their door and would that be legally allowed? And she said, well, I think that's probably legally allowed, but it's not something that anybody would support. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was vocally opposed to it. But all they kept was that she said, yes, you can. Trump would support putting no gays allowed signs on doors. And that just it didn't happen. Um, how about the Health and Human Services? They created a new department that shields healthcare workers who refuse to treat LGBTQ patients or those living with HIV by calming moral or religious objections. 
This has been something that's been ongoing for a long time. Uh, and the truth is, is that it's based on a lot of hyperbole. It's based on a lot of fears that aren't really justified. Uh, there's, as to my knowledge, there's not ever been a, a conservative case for denying uh, HIV positive patients, which I am one, of medication or saying that they're not going to take a, a gay man to the hospital if he's been you know, in a car accident. The concern was surrounding things like forcing Catholic hospitals to perform elective hysterectomies on women because they are transgender and they want mm. to remove their uterus or forcing doctors to prescribe abortion medications or to perform abortions even on demand because a person, a, a woman says that it's a, it's something that she wants and it's an emergency from her perspective and it's not a medical emergency. A lot of those things, Christians and conservatives and people that are morally opposed have not been protected by under the law as they move forward. Um, yeah, that, and that, That's all it is. Yeah, and this this seems to be a, re, a re, repetitive sort of thing, right? Like they come after they they try to take um, they're, they're applying sort of these generic Republican criticisms uh, to Trump as a whole. When you know it, it's a force, right? They're trying to force a square block into a round hole. Yes, um, you know I, I've looked up at the time there were 168 claims that I went through. And of course, I've written about this uh, since 2013. So I was aware of a lot of the other ideas surrounding the, the alleged oppression you know, of uh, LGBT people. But a lot of it has just come from the force of belief, the force of repetition, um, constantly seeing in headlines in LGBT media that the Republicans are going to take away marriage, they're going to take away our health care, they're going to, to make it so we can be you know, discriminated against in jobs. And then none of it is true. Um, there was not a single true claim in this book that <laughs> nothing, there, there, it wasn't, you know, when I started this, when I started this, I assumed, well, there'd be a couple things that were true that I, I would have to explain, but no, there's nothing out of 168 claims. Nothing is actually anti LGBT. It's just not progressive. It's not what the progressive LGBT advocacy groups want the president to do. So uh, when does the book uh, come out, Chad? It's out now. Okay. Uh, it's on Amazon, uh, physical and and uh, in Kindle. And um, it's uh, got it here with Oh, me. yeah, there it is. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, only, it's, only, it's only a couple, you know, about 300 pages, only 400 some citations. It's a, it's a ease to breeze right through. Okay. I want to, I want to have you back on if you can, uh, maybe next week and go through more of this because we, we're short on time today. And I want to make sure we go through a bunch because you have a ton here that is just, I think, locked into progressives mindset as absolutely true. And if they're not true, people need to know about it. Uh, the book is without context, evaluating the LG anti-LGBT claims against the Trump administration. It's Chad Felix Green, post-millennial federalist. Uh, love your stuff online. And, and I appreciate you going through and doing all this hard work because not a lot of people will stand up and, and tell the truth on this stuff. Absolutely. And if, it, if any of it was true, I would have said so. But none of it is. Mm. Chad Felix Green, thanks so much for coming on the program. We'll have you on next week. All right. Back in a second. Thank you. Okay. Am I am I misunderstanding this campaign? I don't understand what's happening. NBC has a bunch of people, all their big stars, have signed this uh, letter saying that Trump's town hall should not air on NBC. As you know, right, I guess right now, is that on now? 
There's a Trump town hall and a Biden town hall. Trump town hall on NBC, Biden town hall on ABC. Have we forgotten what is going on in this campaign? Biden has been hiding for months. And now Donald Trump is going to go on NBC and compete with, Don, with, with Joe Biden's town hall. So here's Biden blabbing on, stumbling over words, talking about Cocoa Krispies or whatever he's doing over on ABC. And hopefully he's going to say something really stupid and have a terrible moment. And everyone's going to realize, I don't want that guy to be president. And while he's doing that, Donald Trump is going to be doing something. It's going to be much more TV friendly. The guy knows TV. He's going to get better ratings than Joe Biden. And no one's going to see Joe Biden do anything. We don't need to see any more of Donald Trump in the next three weeks. We got it. We know who Donald Trump is. You either like him or you don't. We're at a situation where people need to see Joe Biden. They need to realize that Joe Biden is going to be a terrifying guy to have the keys uh, to the nuclear codes. This is not somebody you want in the White House. He doesn't even seem like he can get through the job. And, and, and no one's going to know because more people are going to watch Trump to see what the next big explosive thing is instead of watching Biden. We don't need to see more from Trump. Everyone knows about Trump. He's been the president for the last four years. Joe Biden has been hiding. He comes out of the cave for one night and they counter program Donald Trump a much bigger draw on another channel. I don't understand the strategy here. I don't understand the strategy. Maybe they'll pull some clips and maybe that'll work, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, this is a gift. They should they should take Donald Trump off. You don't have to worry about it anymore. All right, back in a second. I'm so excited. I have new bowl and branch sheets on the way. We're talking, you know, everyone talks about what is that was 750 former U.S. presidents. Love bowl and branch sheets. I don't know. I, I know there's a bunch of them that do. Um, they're the softest and most comfortable pure organic cotton sheets on earth. Why not have the same sheets as the president? That's pretty cool. Bowl and branch cotton is rain fed, pesticide free, and carries the highest organic certification. I will be honest with you. I don't care about any of that. I only care that all of that comes together in this wonderful little package and it makes them super, super soft. I don't know what they're doing. They're doing really great things to make these sheets soft. That's fantastic. All I know is they're super soft and I love them. Uh, since they sell direct to you, Bowl & Branch sheets started at 160 bucks. Now, 160 bucks, you're thinking 160 bucks for sheets. I mean, uh, wait, what kind of sheets are these? They're $1,000 quality sheets. These are like top of the line sheets. You get it at some like fancy hotel or something. I don't know, even better than that. Plus, you can she uh, sleep on them risk-free for a month. Right now, you get 50 bucks off any sheet set at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code Stu. B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code Stu, 50 bucks off. Don't forget the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like the stupid show. Bowlandbranch.com, promo code is Stu. Restrictions may apply. All right, we're going to do something a little different here. Okay. I'm joined by Jason Buttrell, head writer and researcher for the Glenbeck program. Jason, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks. Um, a few months ago, I guess it was, you were on this program, and we were kind of in the middle of all of these leagues becoming ultra-mega-woke. Right. Okay? And you were on this uh, show, and you said that you were going to boycott the NFL and not watch it all. You're a huge Cowboys fan. Huge. Insane. I'm on your level. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you are. I'm an Eagles fan. Eagles. You're a Cowboys fan. But, like, you know, that's what we talk about this time of year, right? Yeah. And you have somehow avoided... This completely, but you made one declaration, which is that after five weeks, you'd come back on the show 
And if the Cowboys were 5-0, and you were going to allow yourself to start watching again. I've, I've been waiting for this day like crazy, <laughs> Stu. I'm like so excited. I was, I was nervous walking in actually yesterday because we were going to do this yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was nervous coming in yesterday. I was nervous driving in today. <laughs> I'm like that like keyed up. I'm like, please. This is amazing. <laughs> so he knows nothing about what has happened so far in the Cowboys season. So we're going to take you through week by week. <laughs> but at any time, if you want me to stop, you let me know. Can you just say if they're 5-0 so I can get this anticipation out? Game one. <laughs> Game one, Cowboys take on the Rams. At halftime, Dallas leads 14-13. to Now, okay. the fourth quarter comes. 31 seconds left. Dallas ball at their own 34. Okay. The Rams now lead 20 to 14. Oh my gosh. Dak Prescott throws deep to uh, Michael Gallup. Oh, this is a win. Completes the pass for 47 yards down <laughs> to the Rams 19. This is a win. On the play. Offensive pass interference. What? <laughs> whoa, whoa. The drive stalls. Cowboys lose 20 to 14. You're kidding me. No. Oh, just, oh. This, brings, this brings me such pleasure. I couldn't have watched that game to begin with. I would have, been, I would have passed out right at that moment. Uh, Cowboys oh. lose their 0-1. Dak, 266 yards and a touchdown. Ready for game two? Yeah. That's kind of surprising, though, actually. I thought he'd be throwing for a lot more. Game two. Atlanta Falcons on the schedule. End of the first quarter. Falcons lead 20 to nothing. Shut up. That's not real. The first quarter? The first quarter, 20 to nothing. Do you want more? Do you want me to just stop? Is this enough for you? Have you had enough? As a Cowboys fan, have you had enough? No. I, I, I mean, no, because I know the Cowboys, and I've seen many of these actually with Eagles games where mm-hmm. we've botched a punt or whatever. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> All right. I refuse to think the defense is that bad. The defense was supposed to be better this year. It was. That's true. Let's see. End of the first half. Falcons 29, Cowboys 10. Uh, it's not looking good. Still, still want more? <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Cowboys come back a little bit. It's 39 to 24. Eight minutes left in the, in the th- fourth quarter. Cowboys get the ball, score again. They do not get the two-point conversion. Five minutes left. Cowboys behind now 39 to 30. Till, still two scores. What's, this, what's the time? Uh, five minutes left in the game. Eh. 152 left in the game. Cowboys score again. 39-37. They have no timeouts left. All they have is the onside kick. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I prefer not. <laughs> Screw it. On the onside oh, kick. two. The Falcons literally forget the rules of onside kicks. Wait, what? And they let the ball go untouched for 10 yards. We got it? The Cowboys jump on the ball and recover it. <laughs> Are you kidding? Wait, so how much time now? Now there's like a minute 45 left. I want to show you one fr- uh, frame from this onside kick. This is from the game. If you see here, the ball needs to go to the left side here to the 35. It's already gone about eight yards so far from right to left. Okay, yeah. There are, as you see, four Falcons standing right around it, not doing anything. The ball then rolls across the 35-yard line. The Cowboys jump on it and get the ball back. What? There's more Cowboys on the, on the Falcon side than Falcons. Because <laughs> they know you have to wait for 10 <laughs> yards, but the Falcons don't have to wait for 10 yards. Wow. They could have recovered it right then. Oh, my gosh. So they get the ball, 
drive down, kick a game-winning field goal from 46 oh yards. God. Cowboys win 40-39. to 39. All right, baby. There we go. I bet Keith Malinak was furious. Oh, he's <laughs> lost his mind. Poor Keith. Uh, again, they were down by 20 points in this game. They come back to win. Dak throws for 450 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they are now 1-1. One one. That's the game expect. three. That's what I expect. Jason Buttrell through the, the Cowboys season here. At the Seahawks is this game. Ooh. Early the third quarter, Seattle leads 30-15. to 15. In the which quarter? Third? And uh, early third quarter. Now, the late in the third quarter, the Cowboys get a touchdown. It's 30-22. to 22. Cowboys still coming back. They're down by 15. They're coming back again. They, in the fourth quarter, they score another touchdown. It is now 30-28. to 28. However, they miss the two-point conversion, so they're trailing 30-28. to 28. They get the ball back with four minutes left. Cowboys kick a field goal, and they lead 31-30. to 30. Wow. But they give the ball back to Russell Wilson, who then goes the length of the field. Of course. And scores with a minute 47 left. Seattle leads 38-31. Dak has one more chance. Cannot get it done. Cowboys wow. lose 38-31. They are now 1-2. and two. To be expected. That was in Seattle, too, I, I believe, right? Wasn't yes, it, it was. Mm-hmm. So I actually thought we had a chance to win that game. <laughs> I really did because, because there's no crowd there. There's no so crowd. You get, yeah, you get the bonus, crowd. But, I mean, come on. I mean, give it to Russell. All right. Lose to Russell Wilson. Dak, 472 yards, three touchdowns, wow. and two interceptions. He's, on, he's gaming this year. Big, big numbers. Game four. He's got to be w- leading, right? At, at this point in the season, yes. Wow, okay. In, the, in yards, I think it is. Yeah. Mm. Game four versus Cleveland Browns, Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys start with a quick touchdown. They're off the lead 7 to nothing. Then it takes a bit of a turn. End of the first half, Cleveland 31, Cowboys 14. End of the first half. 30 points and a half? 31. They're giving the, the Browns. Every half to the Browns. Uh, Cleveland, oh then, God. like everybody else seems to do, goes to this loose zone thing. Um, uh, at the end of the third quarter, however, it is... 41 to 14. Oh my gosh. Okay. 12 minutes left. Cowboys score a touchdown. 41 22. Six minutes left. Cowboys score it again. It's 41 to 30. Four minutes left. Cowboys score again. It's 41 to 38. We Falcons them? It's, it's, they're coming back to Falcons them. Uh, the Browns get the ball back. They run a reverse to Odell Beckham. He's almost caught for a 10 yard loss. However, he accelerates around the outside corner, goes for a 50-yard touchdown. You, sir. <laughs> That's an amazing season. How dare you. Cowboys lose 49-38 to after Dak gets the ball back and throws an interception. But he does end with 502 yards. Oh, my god! Most of them in the fourth quarter. Cowboys are now 1-3. Dak is on pace for a historical number of yards. Game five. It's because of the defense. That, that's why. That's why the defense sucks, so he's throwing it the entire game. <laughs> he's throwing game. it the entire game. Zeke probably has two yards the entire, <laughs> the season. entire season. He's only had one carry. <laughs> uh, okay, game five. Are you ready for game <laughs> I mean, this is... This was Sunday. This was last Sunday. This is last Sunday. Okay. I'll, versus the New York Giants, who are, by the way, I will, I will break this for you, 0-4. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, I okay. love it. Second quarter, Giants lead 17-3. to what is the deal? Every single Every game. Every single game. <laughs> okay, Cowboys, though, come back. Uh, lead 24-20 at halftime. Five minutes left in the third quarter. Giants get a field goal. It's now 24-23. Dak is driving back the other way. He runs for nine yards. As he is tackled, the defender unintentionally rolls up on his ankle. 
Oh, they, whoa. They cut to a shot of Dak sitting on the ground, and his ankle is basically at a right angle no. to his leg. No. Like, straight down. No. Then a right turn. You're kidding. He is crying on the field. Everybody, all the Cowboys are sobbing on the sidelines. This is bull. No. This is not real, right? <laughs> it is. Tell me it's real. Tell me the visual, how bad the visual was. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, in our memories, I think, forever. Uh, you're, you're lucky serious? you did not watch this. His leg looked like it was destroyed. I mean, it was like Joe Theismann level. Not supposed to happen to a human leg. What? Yeah, it actually was real. I mean, you know, as much as I hate the Cowboys, Dak seems like a really good guy. It was really hard to watch. He has not missed a game in, I think, four years. Yeah, hasn't missed one game in his whole, his whole career. Oh, my uh, gosh. However, he will be missing some here. He is out for the year. Oh, that's almost like a career-ending injury, it sounds I, it like. It looked that bad. I mean, they did emergency surgery. He went to the hospital right away. Uh, it was ugly. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so he is, uh, he is out. Andy oh. Dalton is your backup. Oh, Andy Dalton comes back. <laughs> and leads them to a touchdown. Uh, they lead 31 to 20, uh, 31 to 23. Giants come back, take a 30, uh, 34-31 lead. Last two minutes, Andy Dalton leads them on two separate field goal drives. Cowboys win 37-34. They are two and three. And let me tell you the happy part for you. Two and three, good enough for first place in the NFC East. Nah, yes. The Eagles are worse? They're one, three, and one. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, and one? You tied? They, they tied the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> so there's your season. <laughs> oh, my God. How, uh, how does it, I mean, I will tell you, uh, this Cowboys season has been one of the craziest five games I've ever seen in my life. They are down by massive numbers in every game. Every game, the team would go into a loose zone or a prevent every time. They would take advantage of it, come all the way back, and at the end of the game, I was on the edge of my seat. Oh, my God. I would not be able to survive this season. <laughs> I, I hate those games. I'm not the kind of guy that likes to see them neck and neck the entire time. Yeah. I just want to blow them out and get it done. Yes. Get to the Super Bowl. That's what I want. <laughs> I don't need the drama. Wow. So I'm not watching, then. I'm not watching this entire year. I mean. It's weird. Is there another? Do you want to set another? Like, if they are 7-3 and three in five more weeks. Okay, this is intriguing. Because, I mean, Andy Dalton, you got your backup quarterback. I think he's going to do pretty well, honestly. I don't know the schedule. So I don't know who they're playing, but I mean we we give it another we get another five games. So they got to go five and zero oh in the next five. Is that is that unfair? I don't think so. Let's see if they can go if they can go if they can win five straight. You come back in. You can, that's not unrealistic. A five game until they lose. Okay. All you right. Come back in in five games, and if they if you watch again and they lose, you have to bail again. Okay. This is your punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Jason oh Buttrell. This is a pretty hell. I mean, what? Give me a one. Give me a reaction here. We got about a minute left. Give me your reaction to this. To this news? I, I don't know. That's devastating. Absolutely devastating. The Dak thing as, was really tough. As far as Dak. I, it's, 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 it's very surprising because I thought that the defense was going to be a lot better because they kept touting their interior defensive line. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> so the, the, so it sounds like it's just it's not fixable and they're going to have to sling it. And I don't know if Andy Dalton – he's got the weapons. He's got a lot of wide, oh, yeah. good wide receivers. I haven't seen the new kid. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is really, really good. Has he been doing good? Really, really good. So I, I think they've got the weapons to maybe possibly pull it off, but – uh, I will say this, Jason. It's been a, it's been a hell of a ride. Uh, I thought about you many times as I was watching the uh, Cowboys uh, go up and down in the big, maybe the biggest roller coaster season I've seen in my life. You know, what'd be interesting is if Andy Dalton becomes our Nick Foles and takes ah, us to the Super Bowl. I, I will say I will not be surprised if he's just as good or better than Dak. But we'll see. And I feel really bad for Dak. Jason Buttrell. We'll see you in five weeks. See you in five weeks. And we'll see if you have any more of an NFL season in you. All right. All right. Back in a second. <laughs> Yeah. 
Andrew Cuomo's new book, AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com. This is his new book. This is him being awful. Get off the desk. AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com. <laughs>